0: Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And uh, apologies, by the way, for uh, not not posting in the last week or so. Uh, again, a bit of bit of long COVID uh, recuperation, and um, I've had my second vaccine shot, which uh, was the Pfizer one, and it really doesn't know, really does kind of take it out of you. Anyway, so. Today what we're going to do is going to look at a section of Richard Overy's The Bombing War and we're going to look at some of the early phases of uh, German air campaigns um, across Europe. Previously we looked at Poland, Uh, now we're going to look at the bombing of the Low Countries and France um, and the um, attack on the British Expeditionary Force on the beaches of Dunkirk. And the the reason why this is important, I think, is because um, understanding the uses of German air power, um, the the Nazi regime uh, put air power to um, throughout various phases of the war, helps to understand not only the mentality and the motivation of of the regime, but also why strategic decisions took place in the way that they they did, um, and what what air power was seen as being kind of important and useful for. Previously, when we looked at the bombing wall, it, we've seen the huge contrasts between um, the, the British and the Americans, and also the Allied and, and the Axis powers in terms of uh, their view of um, warfare the view of the role of aircraft in warfare, and also the kind of the strategic objectives that all, all sides were endeavouring to uh, to achieve. Anyway, without further ado, we're going to look at um, the the first section of uh, the bombing war. Previously, um, Overy has written about the uh, German attack on Warsaw. Um, now he writes uh, about Rotterdam. The second major city attack occurred in the early stages of the, uh, of the German aggression uh, against the Low Countries and France, which began on the 10th of May 1940. Part of the plan was to move the right wing of the German Army Group B through the Netherlands using a combination of surprise paratroop attack, airstrikes on military targets and a ground assault. The German priority was to seize Dutch airfields and key communication points which was largely achieved though at high cost by the 13th of may german forces had re- uh, reached and occupied southern rotterdam but were facing stiff resins- resistance around the bridges over the river maas uh, running through the centre of the city the german 18th army issued orders to general schmidt's 34th corps to the uh, 39th corps problem, um, to break dutch resistance in the city, using all means available, since speed was essential for the rest of the campaign plan. Orders were given to carry out air attacks on the 14th of May against military targets in the area facing the German army. That morning, following the German threat to destroy the city, the Dutch authorities began to negotiate its surrender. A little after noon, Schmidt ordered the air uh, air force units to abandon plans for the raid, Bombing attack on Rotterdam postponed owing to surrender negotiations. So the uh, negotiations um, were borne by the Dutch authorities of a kind of a, a sense of hopelessness in their, in their position. The Dutch army had uh, fought extremely well um, and had uh, been uh, one of the, the, the kind of the, the key obstacles uh, during the, the campaign. Uh, but the attack on Rotterdam that actually follows, regardless of the uh, negotiations, is one of the, the kind of the key um, aerial terror attacks um, of this phase of the war, which does the Germans immense amount of propaganda damage uh, and is used by the Allies to uh, point to the barbarity of, of the regime, despite the fact that. Something up Something like 40,000 Poles had already been murdered in the bombing of Warsaw alone. Uh, Richard Overy continues. While talks continued, a large number of Heinkel HEY11s appeared in the sky, flying in two separate formations towards the centre of the city. Schmidt hastily ordered red flares to be fired. For God's sake, he was heard to say, there'll be a catastrophe. Half of the 100 aircraft saw the flares and turned back but 57 dropped their load as directed on Dutch Army targets in an urban triangle to the north of the river um, in the process burning down 2.8 square miles of the defended area and killing, according to the most recent estimate, 850 people. Much of the damage was done by fire caused by leaking oil installations after the bombing. Um, At 3.30 that afternoon the city formally surrendered and to avoid further damage and loss of life, the Dutch army capitulated a day later. In his memoirs, the, commend- the commander of the Air Fleet too, Albert Kesslerink, claimed that the radio contact with German forces in Rotterdam broke down at the mid- uh, at midday, so the cancellation order never got through. But the commander of the bombing squadrons involved later gave testimony that the surrender negotiations were known about, and that red flares fired by German forces from an island on the River Maas with a signal to abandon the raid if negotiations were being conducted. One group did see the flares, for the other group, heavy smoke from the battle below obscured them. There's never been much doubt that the operation against Rotterdam was occasioned by, by the difficult situation faced by German soldiers in the south of the city as they tried to force the bridges. Like the bombing of Warsaw, operations against Rotterdam imposed heavy civilian casualties because the Dutch army chose to defend the area, Rather than declare it an open city or surrender. In both cases, substantial damage and death were also caused by artillery fire. Whether or not going was attracted to the idea of a display of German air power once again is irresistible and ruthless, um, which has sometimes been, have been suggested but never proved. The bombing of Rotterdam excited the same kind of extravagant attention as Warsaw. An RAF training manual issued. In March 1944, described the attack as an unexampled atrocity, with 30,000 dead in 30 minutes, which is, you know, obviously an extreme overestimation of, of how many um, had died. Um, the, uh, Richard Overy there um, gives the, uh, the, the the Luftwaffe uh, quite an easy ride, I would say. Because the, the nature of the Luftwaffe, um, part of its, it's kind of uh, raison d'etre, uh, and this isn't to single it out as the, uh, the, the sole example, was as a kind of a terror bombing force. Um, it was a political weapon. The Luftwaffe um, had uh, the, the Condor Legion in Spain, had, in, from during the Spanish Civil War from 1936 onwards, had been used as a political weapon, as a, a weapon of terror. And the, the bombing of Rotterdam, to suggest it is really an, an unfortunate accident, it, it only tells part of the story, I, I would argue. The effect of the bombing of Rotterdam. Um, in a pour les encourager les autres kind of way um, seemed to um, have, have benefits for uh, Germany in the conquest of, of France um, France capitulates, uh, Paris surrenders before uh, it can uh, be uh, bombed in, in the same way Richard Ove rewrites Paris might have suffered something similar Um, something of the fate um, of Rotterdam if the French army and government had insisted on defending the French capital to the last. A number of military targets were bombed around Paris on the 3rd of June in the later stages of the campaign in the West. But on the 11th of June, it was declared an open city by the French commander-in-chief, Maxime Vigand, um, and evacuated by the government and military high command. The bombing that took place in France between the 10th of May and French surrender on the 17th of June was almost all of it tactical bombing in support of the German offensive or to prevent the evacuation of the Allied, mainly British troops, in late May and the first half of June or to destroy the French Air Force and its sources of supply. Um, fighters were not... Um, what isn't mentioned here is the strafing of refugee columns um, deliberately... Um, of course, that was mainly done by uh, German Luftwaffe fighters, um, but again, this is a, a terror tactic uh, designed to uh, degrade and demoralise civilian morale and to present the fate of civilians of, of, of France as, as, as utterly hopeless. So, throughout May and into June. Huge damage was done to towns uh, in France and their civilian populations that were in the path of uh, German forces. Um, Places were, um, in in France, there were numerous open cities were declared, which was designed, firstly, to to avoid the fate of um, Rotterdam, and secondly, to avoid the kind of destruction that had been seen in the First World War. Um, It was better to capitulate um, and to see these the cities raised to the ground. There, there's an awful lot written about the fact that France was an enormously divided society before uh, it, um, its uh, conquest by Germany. And so there were people on the conservative and fascist right in France that were, in many ways, happy to see Germany conquered, uh, France conquered by Germany in order... To facilitate the, uh, the the destruction of the French left, um, the purging of the French Communist Party, um, and whilst this some have kind of challenged this argument, um, there was a, a very good case for it made in uh, the book Reappraisals by Tony Judd um, and the, the sort of the um, the ease with which certain French generals capitulated. And there kind of, there's a very interesting and incriminating photo of Reagan uh, and Hunziger and um, a number of other uh, Gamelan and another, other other French generals uh, lined up uh, with uh, their Wehrmacht uh, counterparts, looking sort of a little bit pleased with themselves. So I, I sort of hold some I put something by that theory. Um, and this, in some ways, explains this kind of capitulation of French towns and cities. There's no uh, nowhere during June 1940 that he's prepared to fight to the death. Um, and there was uh, no sense, as you found in, in other countries, of, uh, of, of no surrender. Richard Overy writes, Once the Dunkirk pocket was eliminated, the German armies turned south towards Paris... To complete the destruction of the French military power.
1: Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care.
0: At this point German aircraft were free to roam over French territory they were directed to attack rail communications the aircraft and aero industry uh, aero engine industry and oil depots between the 1st and 3rd of june long range air, 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 ta- air attacks destroyed major rail links between paris and most of the rest of france during the first four days of june attacks were also mounted against the port areas of marseille where, the oil storage, um, where there were oil storage tanks, Le Havre, um, and the docks and the mouth of the River Rhône. On the 3rd of June, German bombers also hit nine French airfields and aircraft factories around Paris at Villecoublay, Les Moreaux, and the Citroen Works, um, killing 254 people, 195 of them civilians. The bombing uh, began a panic, accelerating the growing movement to abandon the capital. On the 8th and 9th of June, ministry personnel were evacuated, but the bombing was not resumed and Paris' status as an open city was respected for reasons that are still not entirely clear. Um, some have argued uh, that Hitler, who initially had grandiose, uh, a sort of like a savage plan to raise Paris to the ground entirely, that Hitler's motivation for not doing this was well, you know, when he built his... Uh, wonderful uh, future um, Nazi capital, in Germania um, That it would be, it would you know cause Paris to simply wither away. Well, this is, is kind of stereoty- sort of symptomatic of, I think people listening to the um, the kind of the the, the the talk of Hitler and and putting far too much store by it. Rather like the idea that um, Hitler when he later said in about 1943 that he was being uh, kind of uh, magnanimous towards the British Expeditionary Force on the beaches of Dunkirk and he wanted to show that he could be a... um, he wanted to show the English that their Tommy soldiers would be uh, allowed to leave and he was, you know, trying to hold out an olive branch. Well, nobody really believes that. Um, Hitler was... Far incapable, it would. It's popularly believed, and I think it's even suggested, far incapable of any of these sorts of gestures, uh, of any of the, this this uh, um, kind of uh, more um, kind of uh, magnanimous uh, magnanimous thinking. Um, so his reasons for the reasons for not terror bombing Paris, I would imagine, were with a view to establishing. A puppet regime in France. Uh, it would be all the harder to establish a Vichy regime with Paris uh, having been razed to the ground. Um, I don't think, my, my sense is that Hitler probably didn't want to um, uh, make trouble for himself and probably looked on Vichy France when it was finally established as being a, a key ally which in, indeed it was indeed it was german forces concentrated on the direct support of their own operations against what remained of the french army and its air force the german air force ended the era of rapid conquests as it began in poland clearing the way for the army to roll forward and secure final victory So here we've got the the German air force being used successfully in three different uh, blitzkrieg campaigns. The first in Poland, the second uh, against Denmark and Norway uh, in April 1940, and the third against the Low Countries and France. And then you get to the question of Great Britain um, and Going from blitzkrieg to to blitz is uh, kind of something that the German Air Force doesn't really succeed in in doing uh, because you're talking about two different types of air power. Two-engine bombers uh, on on single-engine bombers being able to blow up uh, bridges, uh, airfields, uh, fuel depots, being able to bomb um, uh, columns of uh, troops and tanks, that sort of stuff. Um, you for that you need sort of relatively light aircraft uh, in in bombing terms um, that are quick and highly manoeuvrable and fairly low altitude. You know dive bombers, um, Heinkel 111s, so that that kind of thing. To then. I mean, and these could be were were, uh, to some degree useful in attacking British airfields. The Stukas um, that were sent against British airfields are too slow, and they're all wiped out. Um, They are ground attack aircraft when you don't have fighter cover, enemy fighter cover, lying around, uh, flying around. However, having converting and uh, a a Blitzkrieg battlefield um, support. Uh, air arm into a long-term war of attrition against cities designed specifically to wear down civilian morale, to bomb civilian areas night after night. For that kind of thing, you need the sorts of air forces that the British and the Americans had been developing since the mid-1930s. Originally large two-engine bombers like Wellington's, and very quickly large four-engine bombers in the Terms in the British terms like Halifaxes and Sunderlands uh, and uh, Lancasters, uh, and uh, from America the um, B 17A, and then eventually the B 29, but mainly it was the B 17 the and the Liberator that saw action in, in the European theatre. So, Richard Overy writes when it comes to Britain, and well, we'll continue this as well pre- uh, next time. The England problem. The exercise of German air power between September 1939 and June 1940 reflected a particular con- conception of strategic air warfare, in uh, which victory was a combination, was a combined achievement of air forces and the army. The use of bombing was essentially tactical, even when the targets dis- um, distant from the actual front line were the object of attack. Although some German Air Force commanders thought that this form of force projection signified a new age of independent air warfare and revelled in its novelty and power. There was a a great difference between a campaign launched to support a major ground offensive and a campaign in which the aircraft were working entirely on their own. The possibility in June 1940 that the German air force might be used to strike at Britain opened up for the first time the prospect of a genuinely independent bombing campaign but it was by no means a certainty. In the summer of 1940, there were no plans for an air campaign against Britain that would last almost a year, though though that was eventually what happened. On the British side of things, uh, Sir Arthur Harris, or Bomber Harris uh, as he uh, became known, wanted to prove to the other branches of the armed services that an air war against Germany could be decisive on its own, that um, air power, that the that bomber command could win the war. And there seems to be, in the summer of 1940, the kernel of that idea uh, in the German Luftwaffe as well, as Richard Overy writes, the uh, idea that, uh, in a, of course, there couldn't be a land campaign in Britain, before an air campaign had been successful. There can't be a cross-channel invasion um, of southern England uh, until uh, Britain's air defences have been wiped out. So, in many ways, the Battle of Britain and the the Blitz after it are kind of our our experiments. I mean, if we focus exclusively on the Battle of Britain for now, the whole point of the Battle of Britain was to degrade and break the operational power of the RAF to destroy airfields and early um, and uh, radar stations and all the other infrastructure, the the Dowding system that had been established before the war, um, and to shoot down as many fighter planes as possible. Um, and in doing this, it was believed that um, if this campaign could be won, then a second campaign, not a synchronous campaign, a second campaign. Uh, could be one uh, when there was a, a mass amphibious landing or a parachute landing uh, over England, and the um, here we we, we learn something uh, about the kind of the efficacy of air power in the war and the kind of the delusions of the advocates of air power during the war. In the case of the Battle of Britain, or a, a campaign from the air. Cannot be won in this way uh, germany doesn 't have enough aircraft. the aircraft don 't have enough flying time over uh, over britain um, the, um, uh, the The fuel tanks are not big enough uh, if you um, roll back um, you know, so a couple of months of podcasts, the last time I spoke with uh, David Dean Barrett on this podcast, we talked about the air war over Berlin and the introduction of the um, the p fifty one Mustang, which had a, an additional detachable um, uh, fuel tank underneath, which gave it extra flying and fighting time before it had to turn back well the Luftwaffe hasn't got this, and the the Luftwaffe uh, hasn't really got the the training or the mindset necessary. For this sort of of campaign, there isn't really the political will behind it either. Hitler isn't that interested in it. Um, it was more of a kind of a Goering project in many ways, and um, this is eventually uh, why it's pulled and why so many Luftwaffe pilots viewed the whole business as something of a sideshow, something uh, not really uh, part of the the kind of uh, the war as they as they saw it. Uh, the the real war of course would be fought in russia. Okay thanks folks and we'll uh, return to looking at Richard Overy pretty soon where we'll we'll start to look at the development of the Battle of Britain and the, the Blitz. Um, do remember check out um the Explaining History website where I currently am posting um the the, the the podcast there i mean you' obviously you'll get the podcast through your podcaster as well but when i po- uh, post the podcast there i'll write a kind of little, little essay to go with it um and check us out on youtube there's plenty of video content there at the moment, some new stuff I have put up recently uh, and if you can fund us on patreon um all patrons get uh, an additional uh, few uh, little bits of my writings uh, here and there uh, I just posted something about Uh, Britain in the 1970s today, which I'm sure if you're uh, listening and you're one of the patrons uh, of the Explained History podcast, you'll enjoy immensely. Take good care, everybody. All the best. Thanks. Bye-bye.